we are moving quite quickly, just kidding, uh, moving quite quickly through the book of James. Uh, today we're going to be in James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to begin in verse number 19, James chapter 1, verse 19. I initially was going to cover uh, the rest of chapter 1, and as I was preparing this message, um, in light of my inability to, to finish on time every single week, I decided that I won't cover this whole section. We'll actually pick it back up, so this is kind of part one um, of, of what I believe to be two parts. shouldn't be any longer than two parts. Um, so we'll cover the first, we're just going to read the first couple of verses, uh, James chapter 1, beginning in verse number 19. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19, James writes these words, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if you're on a, on a phone you can uh, pop up that version, the NLT, uh, verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. How many, uh, how many can follow those instructions pretty easily, that's what I thought. All right, me neither. Uh, this word is for me just as much as it is for everybody else. Verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So James will say to these, these scattered believers, remember Jewish Christians that he's writing to, they've been dispersed because of persecution. He's going to say to them in verse 21, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly or with meekness accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Um, just before you're seated, I, I, that's as far as we're going to go, just through verse 21. Um, actually, go ahead and be seated. That's fine. I won't keep you standing. No worries. <laughs> I've had to stand and sit, stand and sit. I won't have you stand again till the end. Um, unless you just need to stand up one more time. But before I jump in just to these notes real brief, I want to make, make one comment about who James is writing to again, because I think this is this is important, especially in understanding what James is writing to these believers. I want you to keep in mind, he is writing to believers. He is writing to Jewish Christians. They have been dispersed. They've been, uh, they've been pushed away from their homeland because of persecution. And that's important because in verse 21, when he said, um, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, they've already received the word. It's been planted in their hearts. And so he's not talking necessarily about um, conversion or the salvation experience. He's talking about something even beyond that. So I want you to keep in mind, as we go through this message this morning, that James is writing to Jewish Christians who have been persecuted and pushed aside. Uh, with that understanding, I want to jump into our message this morning. James' primary concern thus far, uh, over the last few weeks, has been to encourage the believers, the Christians, who have been under persecution and under pressure of trials to respond. This is what he wants them to do. He wants them to respond to the pressure of trials with, with a steadfastness, with a steadfast endurance and an unwavering faith. Uh, I think James is a very pertinent uh, message for us today, where we are at in our culture, because it's very easy for us to be wavering back and forth from one position or, or one understanding or, or one place because of all the unrest and uncertainty that we're walking through. But what James is calling these believers to, and I would suggest he's calling us to as Christians as well, is he's calling us to have an unwavering faith and a steadfast commitment and endurance to him. That's why James will write in James chapter 1, 
verses 2 through 4, he will say, consider it what? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because the testing of your faith will produce endurance, and when it is fully developed, you will better reflect in the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so James is, is, is attempting to encourage. These believers, they're, they're discouraged, they're depressed, they're uncertain about their future. This sounds pretty familiar, huh? There, there's a lot of discouragement, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of uncertainty. And James, as he encourages these believers, I believe is also, this message encourages us, encourages us as well to remain steadfast, to remain rooted, grounded. When we sang the song earlier, all of my hope is in who is in him. And so we are going to be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. We ended last week uh, discovering that God is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. How many are thankful that God is the giver of every good and every perfect gift? Amen? He gave us, and one of the greatest gifts that he's ever given us is the gift that we could ever receive, is the gift of, of new birth. Or, or salvation. He says in James chapter 1, verse 18, he chose, we read this last week, this is where we ended, he chose to give birth to us by giving us what? His true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. John three sixteen. I think we know it well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Have eternal life. And then Romans six twenty three says this, for the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the gift, the free gift, the gift of God is what is eternal life. And so one of the greatest gifts that he's given to you, to me, to all who, who will receive it, is the gift of new birth, the gift of salvation. He is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. The true word that, that James refers to here in verse 18, the true word, it is the agent. It's the one that makes possible our new birth. What does John say in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, the Word, Jesus, the per second person of the Trinity, the Word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. And so he gave us his true Word. He gave us the person of Jesus Christ, the one, the agent of our salvation. He is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. As born again or saved, or, or made new believers as Christians, there are certain qualities that should, that should exist that reveals what this new life looks like. When we receive the person of Jesus Christ into our life, when he transforms us, and when we are, when we are made new, when we are um, uh, entered into relationship with Jesus, there, there should be certain qualities that, that kind of flow out of us that reflect the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm thankful that it is a process. How many are thankful that, that becoming like Jesus? Yes. Okay, I've got at least one hand in here. Thankful that it is a process, because none of us in this room, I don't think, um, are perfect. We've not arrived yet. A sanctification is that process. It's the process of becoming what God has already declared us to be. And so every single day as we give ourselves to the word, as we pray, as we see the face, as we gather corporately for worship, we are being transformed. We are being made more and more like Christ. Our, our vision statement here at, at Glad Tidings Church is to develop biblically sound believers who do what? Who reflect the character of Christ. And so I am thankful that it is a process, that it is ongoing, that, that as I give myself to the word, to the preaching of the word, to the hearing of the word, and as I give myself to prayer and corporate worship, 
God continues to change me and make me more like him. And so there are, though, there are certain qualities that should come out of us as believers. And, and that's what James is really talking about, because later on, James will say, what, faith without works is dead. We'll get to that here in a few weeks. Uh, but James isn't necessarily talking about uh, the salvation conversion moment where we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What James is talking about, now that you've received this, this free gift, now that you've received the, the new birth that has come to us by his true word, we should reflect now what it looks like to be a Christian. To be, Because remember, who is he writing to? He's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to Jewish Christians, Christians, believers who have received this free gift. They've received the true word that James talks about. And now they are living in an, in an oppressed and in a persecuted state. And so James is, is encouraging them. And he is calling for them to live lives that reflect reflect that, that salvation that you have received. So I want you to keep that in mind. Paul will, when you read Paul's letters, and a lot of times when Paul writes, oftentimes he'll be talking about more of the, the conversion and the salvation experience. He'll talk about uh, the justification. When we receive Christ, uh, we are justified. And, and the, the short version of that is just as if I've never sinned, um, to, to understand kind of the, the basic understanding of what justification is. But when James is writing, he's referring to and talking more about the sanctification, the process um, the living out of our faith. Um, and, and I am thankful that it is the process. That's why when you read through James, I want to encourage you, if you haven't, continue reading through it. We're going to be here for a while. But what you will see is James is very practical. He talks, there's a lot of practical things that he will lay out for us. In a few weeks, we'll talk about the taming of our tongue. Um, I won't tell you what week that is because may, none of you may show up. Uh, or you all may not show up. So, so I won't tell you when we get there. But... There's a lot of things that he will, will kind of lay out for us. What does it look like for us to live as believers? People who have been changed, transformed by the true word. So James is going to outline, at least in our text today, three very specific characteristics of what a genuine believer or Christ follower looks like. And, and, and that will form our foundation for the rest, really, the rest of this letter. So I'm going to share three very brief things with you this morning regarding what it looks like to live as a genuine believer. Number one, a genuine believer, I want you to see this, is eager. Is eager to hear the word of God. Somebody that's received that free gift, someone that's been changed by the true word of God, a, a genuine Christ follower should be eager, should be eager to hear the word of God. Look at James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So let me kind of unpack these two verses for you briefly. It's kind of three exhortations that James uh, will give to the Jewish Christians. And, and he is writing to them to really prepare them. Verse 21 talks about the receiving of the word that has been implanted in you. So he's going to begin by talking about what, what is the preparation for you to receive correctly and faithfully that word that has been implanted in you. In, so he's gonna, he wants to prepare their hearts. So there's three exhortations that he gives to them. Number one, he says to the Jewish Christians, you need to be quick to listen or quick to hear. Uh, the, the word quick here in this particular case, or quick to listen, that particular phrase in the Greek is takis, 
Um, I said a Greek word last week, and I think um, uh, some of the kids heard it differently. Um, I won't say that one again. Um, hoop sauce, was, I think, is what it was. Um, they thought I said something else. Um, but hoop sauce was the word last week. This week, when it says quick to listen or quick to hear, in the Greek, it is simply, it, that word is takis, which means, I want you to hear this, which means swiftness. Or it speaks of having, uh, being eager to hear something so that we may heed it or, or obey it or, or actually do it. We're going to look at next week what James is going to call the believers to do is not just to hear the word of God. That's great. We need to hear it. But we need to not just be hearers of the word. We need to be doers. But it begins with having this eagerness to, to want to hear the word of God. We need to be quick to listen. Let me just give this to you real practically speaking. What does that look like? What does it look like for us as Christians to be quick to listen or, or to have an eagerness to hear the word? I, I just want to challenge all of you. We need to position. We need to position ourselves. We need to put ourselves in places where we can effectively hear the word of God or hear the revelation of God or hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, he can speak to us anywhere. He can speak to us at any moment, any time of day. But we need to make sure that we are putting ourselves in positions where we can effectively and adequately hear the word of God speak to us. Let me just give you a few kind of very practical. If you're, very, if you're a practical person this morning and you want to jot these down, you can. First of all, some of you, maybe, we, maybe it's uh, helpful for you to find a quiet place. Um, if you have several kids, um, uh, like myself... Um, sometimes it's very hard for me to hear uh, the Word of God in the midst of our living room when uh, we're doing all kinds of crazy things. So for me, sometimes I have to find I have to find a quiet place. It might be while I'm driving. It might be um, while I'm at work. It might be um, you know going outside just to be still and to be in the presence of God. But one of the things we have to do we have to position ourselves to hear. Find a quiet place. And number two, we have to minimize distractions uh, to hear the Word of God. Sometimes there's a lot. Let me just tell you this morning. There are a lot of voices that are competing for our attention. There's a lot of voices in our culture that, that want us to hear it. And, and maybe for you, minimizing distractions might be getting off social media for a while because there are a lot of voices that are trying to pull us in a worldly direction when in reality, there's only one voice that we need to be listening to. It's the voice of God. But when there's so many other voices, it's hard for us to hear. It's hard for us to, to, to understand what God is speaking to us. So we need to minimize those distractions. Number three, we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We need to be eager to hear the word of God. One of the things we need to do, we need to pray, God, God, speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, begin to reveal yourself to us. Reveal, reveal your goodness, your faithfulness, your true word to us so that I can be changed, transformed. Number four, we need to meditate and reflect on his word. Psalm 1 uh, speaks of, of the importance of that meditation. And it talks about reflecting or meditating on the word. The word meditation literally means the chewing of a cud. And you see that it's this ongoing um, uh, giving yourself to and, and, and bathing yourself in scriptures over and over again. It's not something you do one time. It's not something you do, all right, you know, I made it through the Bible in a year. Great, I never have to read that book again. That's not, what, that's not what we're called to. We're called to meditate, to reflect on constantly and consistently. And number five, we need to practice these disciplines daily and consistently. Let me just give you a quick illustration. Um, if I, I, I ran a one mini marathon, 13.1 miles, a few years ago, um, and, and for me, I was, I was pretty eager uh, to finish. <laughs> uh, I wasn't eager to set any new record. Uh, that wasn't happening. My goal was just to finish the 13.1 
um, and still be alive when I cross the finish line. Um, I'm still here today, so that, that happened. But because of the eagerness to want to complete that race, what did I do? I positioned myself for six months. I prepared myself for six months to be able to finish effectively and to finish alive that 13.1 miles. The same is true in the spiritual walk. We need to daily position ourselves. We, if, I hope all of us in this room, one of, the genu- one of the characteristics of a genuine believer is we are eager to hear the word of God. If that's the case, if we are eager to hear from God um, and, and for him to speak to us, we have to position ourselves so that we can hear from him. Minimize those distractions. Find that quiet place. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Second exhortation that is given um, or before I say that, um, Hebrews also speaks of this. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, um, up on the screen. says, there is much more we would like to say about this, uh, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Uh, that, that dull of hearing or spiritually dull literally means no energy in listening. That means you're already half asleep. Uh, hopefully none of you are in that uh, position right now. If you are, feel free to stand up and you know, do a few exercises or whatever. But, but they wrestled, the, the, the Hebrews, um, or the letter of Hebrews addresses the same issue. The second exhortation is you must be slow to speak. One writer said this, God gave us two ears and one mouth to remind us to listen more than we speak. Uh, that will come into play later on when James will talk about the taming of our tongue and, and how the tongue can speak words of edification but also and blessing, but also can be um, a weapon that is used to speak curse, curses against others. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I learn best um, listening. When I'm listening to others uh, share things, uh, one of the great things about our discipleship groups that some of you are in um, one of the one of the beautiful things about our discipleship groups is that there's there's four or five six people that come together and and we study the word. We'll we'll read we're reading through Acts right now, and as we're reading through um, reading through the uh, uh, the scriptures, one of the great things that I enjoy is I I love listening to other people begin to speak and share what God is doing in their life because I begin to learn uh, from their experiences, learn from um, what they see as they're reading scripture, and so it's a great great opportunity to continue to grow. Um, it it, it causes me to be slow to speak, because I'll be honest with you, I don't like awkward silence. I've told Frank this a few times. Um, I'm a guy that if you if, if, if there's silence for like two seconds, I'm jumping in, I'm speaking. So um, if you have something to say, you need to make sure you say it quickly, because I don't, I don't like that awkward silence. But, but it really challenges me to be slow to speak and to begin to listen to what God is saying, not just through his word, but saying through others as God is working in their lives. Um, practicing the discipline of silence uh, can prepare our hearts. I went on a spiritual retreat once, part of my part of my seminary degree. I went down to a monastery, spent three days. And while we were there, we were not allowed to talk to anybody. Um, that's a very hard thing to do. And, and, and when we gathered around the dinner table, two of the people there were just our hosts. So they were allowed to talk. We weren't. So a very awkward dinner conversation or lack of a conversation because... Uh, we were practicing the discipline of silence so that we could not talk but listen to what God wanted to say to us. We need to be slow to speak so we can hear and listen to what the Lord wants to say. Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. The final piece is this. Um, we need to be slow to get angry. Now, when we read this, uh, I think the first connection we have is oftentimes when we talk that can lead to anger. Um, usually it leads to harmful activity. 
Um, one of the things in, in, in the book of Job, um, when Job had everything wiped away from him, he had three friends that came and spent time with him. For the first seven days, for the first week, his friends wanted into They came and they sat with Job and they didn't say a word. But after that seven days, all of the friends of Job, they began to talk. They began to give their advice. They began to say, hey, maybe there's a sin in your life that you, uh, that you haven't dealt with. Maybe that's why you're having all these issues. Or, hey, maybe, maybe this is the issue here. Or maybe you're not as good with the Lord as you thought you were. And they started talking. As soon as they started talking, there was strife. There was bitterness. There was anger. They did, the best thing those friends did, they were silent for that first seven days. That was the best thing. They were with Job in his hardship and his adversity. But here, I don't think it's necessarily talking about slow to get angry in that, in that sense. But when we're talking about the word of God here, slow to get angry is connected to the life-giving, true word of God. I want you to hear this because this might be a little bit different than what we typically read this as. I believe that James is exhorting his audience not to get angry at the word of God because it reveals our sin and challenges our behavior. Because what does James say? James, James is in just a moment. He's going to talk about being not just hearers, but doers of the word. And so when he says, you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And so the context is he's, he's talking to these believers. He's saying, I want you to hear, position yourself so you can hear what God wants to say to you. And then he's going to say this third exhortation is, is, is very specific. Be slow to get angry because as God reveals himself to you, as he begins to reveal those things in your life that don't line up with his word, don't get angry. Don't get angry with the word of God, but instead listen. Be slow to speak and allow the word to change you and transform you. And that's important because here in just a second we're going to see um, the results of that um, and what he's going to say even beyond that. Many people uh, have this tendency, I think, to ignore God's word. I, I think this is true. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't want to read the word of God. They don't want to um, hear from anybody that has anything to say about the word of God because they don't want to be accountable to it. Because if we, if we begin to read this, if we begin to meditate on the scriptures, we're going to see that there's probably things in our life that don't line up with God's expectations and God's desires. And so the easiest thing for us to do, if we don't want to line ourselves up with the word of God, let's just not read it because I don't want to be accountable to it. And so that's, that's why it's important to be saying, slow, slow to speak, be quick to listen. Don't get angry as you read the word, as you give yourself to the true word of God. Don't get angry as God begins to reveal that maybe there are some things in your life that don't line up with where I want you to be. For the word of God to be received in our lives, we have to position ourselves to hear, hear his words. Uh, anger that is a result of scripture pointing out our sin will not, this is what he says in verse 20, it will not produce the righteousness that God desires. If we get angry when God says, you know what, Kyle, this area in your life, you need to deal with this. This sin, you need to, you need to deal with it, get rid of it. If I get angry about that, it's not going to produce the righteousness. The, the reason that God wants to deal with it is because he wants me to become the person of God that he created me and called me to be. We have to deal with that. Then we move to the second thing, a genuine believer clears the way. I'll give these last two to you quickly. Last two to you quickly. Genuine believer clears the way for the word of God to work. Look at verse 21. Again, if you think about this in the full context, then slow, slow to speak, quick to listen, or quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And then what does he say? So get rid of all the filth 
and evil in your life. So the slow to get angry makes sense. I'm not just talking about just general anger. Somebody said something to me and I responded with, with anger. I was talking about slow to get angry when the word of God begins to reveal those things in your life that don't line up with him, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer. And so verse 21, James is going to say, now that the word of God is working in you, begin to get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives so that you can receive that word of God effectively. Um, one writer said this, sin is out of place in the heart of one who desires to hear and do the word of God. Look at that. Sin is out of place in the heart of one who desires to hear and do the word of God. If we are eager to hear the word and we want to be doers of that word, when sin is reigning in our heart, sin is out of place because that's not where it's supposed to be. And that's why God, or that's why God through James is going to say, um, challenge these believers to get rid of that filth and that evil. In their life. So what does that mean? Two things. Number one, we have to remove all barriers. Um, real quickly, let me just kind of give you this illustration. Um, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna vacuum my house, um, I have to spend a little bit of time picking up the things that the vacuum's not gonna pick up, right? You know, all the toys that are in the living room, if I take the vacuum, I wish there was a vacuum that did that, that'd be great, um, but it's not the case. If I'm gonna vacuum my house and I want it to be clean and I want it to be pure, and I want the carpet to look beautiful, um, I have to pick up all of those big things um, the toys or, or, or the little tiny bouncy balls or whatever it may be, I have to pick all of those up, otherwise the sweeper is not gonna be effective at cleaning the room. The same is true in our spiritual walk. Uh, we have to do a little preparation work for that word of God. If we, don't, if, if we don't remove those barriers from our heart and from our life, if we don't get rid of the junk and the filth, um, the word of God is going to have a hard time to begin to work in us. Filthiness, in verse, is only used, this word is only used two times in all of the New Testament. When he says, get rid of all filth, it's only used twice, and, and it's used in James. And it's referring to, it's very interesting, is that this word filthiness was also a medical term that was used for earwax. And, and anybody knows that, that when, when earwax starts to build up, maybe you know, I, I know because about once every uh, two years I have to go get it cleaned out, all right? So um, uh, just a little bit of insight into me. Uh, but when earwax begins to build up, you, you can't hear very well. It's, it, it creates a weird sound and, and everything is muffled. And so you become what? Dull of hearing. And so when it says get rid of all filth, uh, remove that barrier. Remove that thing in your life that's keeping you from hearing effectively the word of God. Evil is also a barrier. This idea of evil was meant to be those things that, that do harm to others or are oppo opposed to just dealings. And then the second thing, so we have to remove all barriers. Number two, we have to confess. We have to confess sins. James later on will talk about confessing our sins to one another. Confession of sins is an intricate piece of the puzzle to clear the way for the words of work. We have to ask ourselves, and we should as believers, we should be asking ourselves this question, God, what... What do I need to get rid of? What filth is keeping me from hearing the word of God? What, what item on the floor do I need to pick up or get rid of so, I, so you can do a full work in me, so I can be changed and I can better reflect your character? We need to ask ourselves the question, what am I holding on to that I need to give to God? What thing is God revealing to me that when, I, when he begins to reveal that area of my life, I get a little bit angry about? Because if that's, if that's the thing you get angry about, there's a good chance that's the thing that God wants to remove from your life. We should pray as the psalmist prayed, God, search me and know me. Know if there is any wicked way in me. And when we pray that prayer, let, let me just, let me just, as a side note, be careful when you pray that prayer. If you mean it. You say to God, God, search me and know me and test me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Um, 
you mean that, if you pray that, I hope we, we should. And I want God to reveal those areas in my life. But be careful because God will begin to dig deep into your heart and into your life. Begin to reveal the filth and the evil and the junk that needs to be gone so the Word of God can work in you. Finally, number three, a genuine believer receives, receives the implanted Word of God with meekness. Look at verse 21, the second half, it says this, uh, James chapter 1, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for what? It has the power to save your souls. Again, he's talking to believers, but that word has the power to continue to, to sanctify you, to continue to make you like him. That's James is writing to believers, and he's talking about the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, striving for perfection. We're, our goal here on earth is not to be like the person next to you. Uh, it's not to be like me. Uh, it's not to be like some other person. Our goal as believers is to better reflect the character of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. That should be our aim. And so a genuine believer receives that implanted word of God with meekness. This word received carries with it a sense of urgency. And it's more than just accepting the word. It's this idea of kind of a warm welcome. I'm going to allow the word of God to come into my life and do what it needs to do. I'm going to welcome it into my home, um, a spiritual home. And I'm going to allow that word to work and move in me. Just a couple things I want to share with you. First of all, the manner that the word should be received is with meekness. That's the opposite of quick to speak. Um, and, and which he refers to are quick to be angry. We should approach the word of God with an open and gentle and teachable spirit. When that word of God has been implanted in us, we should say, God, you know, reveal everything you want to reveal to us and allow me to become more like you. So am I open to the truth of God's word? Agreeing and obeying the truth are two different things. I may agree with it. James later is going to say, don't be just a hearer of the word. Be a doer. Put that, that, that word into practice and live as a true Christ follower. The nature of the word that is implanted or engrafted it speaks of growing or, or planting in. God desires to implant more of it in our hearts so our experience will match our new birth. And so, so when it talks about um, the, the, the nature of that word, that the word of God, when it has been implanted in us, guess what? It, it is going to continue to grow and begin to, to work in our hearts and take up residence in our life. 1 Peter chapter 2, very similar. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will, look at this, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. And so, again, I say it's a process. God is continuing to work in us, through us, through his word. He is continuing to change us and continuing to rid us of those things that do not, do not reflect that new birth. They do not reflect the character of Christ. It indicates a spiritual growth process. And finally, the motive for receiving the word. Um, he says, receive it with meekness, with humility, so that it will continue to save your souls. Um, the psalm is Psalm 119, verse 11. David said this, Thy word have I hidden in my heart. Why? So that I would not sin against God, allowing that word to take up residence in our life to change us and transform us. Yvonne, would you come uh, this morning? What to end? Um, I think most of you maybe are familiar with the parable of the sower. Um, different gospels uh, will recount that particular parable. 
talks about the seed that is planted upon different types of soil, the seed being the Word of God, uh, the soil being the heart or the condition um, uh, of the person. Um, if you know the parable at all, you can read it in all, all gospel accounts. Um, you will see that, that in some places the farmer goes along and he plants the seed on rocky soil. Um, what happens is it, it doesn't take root because it can't get through the rock or the hardness of the rock. Some places he will go and, and cast the seed or the word of God upon um, soil, decent soil, but there's all of these thistles and weeds and thorns that begin, the, the worries of life that begin to um, take precedent. It begins to choke that seed, that word that's been implanted. Uh, there's another early, first, first one he casts it upon the ground with the dirt and says that the birds of the air, they come by and they, they pick up the seed and they take it away. One of the, the aspects of that parable, first of all, again, the seed is the word, the word of God. But notice that it was up on the, the good ground, uh, the fertile ground, where that seed was planted, the word was planted that it began to grow, that it began to mature, that it began to become all that it was supposed to be. Um, the Word of God, it, it grows best on good soil where roots are formed. All of us, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that Word has been planted in us. God has changed us, has transformed us. But it doesn't stop there. There is an expectation, and that's why James is writing to these, these Christians. They've been persecuted. They've been pushed out of their homeland. They, they're discouraged. They're depressed. They're wondering, you know, what are we going to do now? And there's all this uncertainty and, 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 and really this unrest that's taking place. So James is exhorting them. He's saying to them, you need to receive this word with meekness. You need to be slow to listen. You need to be slow to speak. Quick to listen, eager to hear the word of God, slow to speak, allow that word to, to begin to work in you, and slow to get angry. As that word begins to take up residence in your life, and as I begin to reveal those areas in your life that don't line up with who I've called you to be, don't get angry so quickly. Allow that word to, to cleanse you. Allow the word of God to shape you and mold you. How many, just real quickly by that phrase, and how many in this room want to become all that God has called you and desired you to be? I think all of us do, amen? I would suggest to you that where we're at today is not where he wants us to be. Because it is a process. Sanctification is all until we meet him face to face. Um, we're still growing, we're still in this process, we're still becoming more and more like him. And and if I were to if I were to do a uh, a spectrum of some sort. You know, some of us might, from A to Z, some of us might be a C, some of us might be a Q. The beauty is, when we all, when we see him face to face, it doesn't matter if we're on A, B, C, um, H, G, when we see him face to face, when we meet him, um, if, we, if we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we will be like him in that moment. Um, but in the meantime, in the meantime, it is a process, and we need to allow the Word of God to work. Yes. Your eyes closed, your heads bowed this morning. A couple questions I want you to think on, and then End of this course, and, and I just want you—you you don't have to raise your hand. I just want you. This this is kind of a personal introspection, reflection. I want you to consider even beyond, even beyond this service. I want you to consider these questions. Number one: Have I positioned myself to receive the life-giving word of God, or are there distractions in my life 
Are there things that are keeping me from receiving humbly and with meekness that word? You can say, yes, that's great. If the answer is no, what changes do I need to make? How can I better position myself so that I will hear clearly the word that God has for me? What distractions do I need to minimize? Or, or what things do I need to do in my life? Maybe it's to enter into a season of prayer, prayer and fasting so I can better see the face of God. So I can get rid of those distractions and better focus on what is most important. Uh, I, I put on social media yesterday, I don't remember the day before, um, my desire for me, this church, for all believers, my desire is that we would be a people of a single passion. So a lot of things we can get excited about, a lot of things we can give ourselves to, a lot of those things are good, not bad. I want us to be a people of a single passion, and that passion being a life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. That's what I want us to be about. So a lot of parts that go along with that, absolutely yes, but when we say Christ is my, my first and foremost, he's my passion, he's my aim, then the word can begin to do work in us. So have we positioned ourselves to receive that life giving word? And two, is there a barrier? Is there that filth, that, that earwax that is blocking us from hearing and receiving that word? Is there a hidden sin? When you pray, God search me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me, is he revealing something that needs to be dealt with? If so, James would say, go and confess. Confess to God. God cleanse me. Make me new. Give me a pure heart, a clean heart, as the psalmist is David saying. Make me new. Is there something that needs to be removed so the word can do its full work? Is there something that needs to be picked off the floor so that sweeper can come along and, and begin to do its effective work? Number three, this word that has the power to bring significant change and transformation, we just encourage you this morning. It must not be ignored, it must not be neglected, and it must not be pushed aside. Yes, when we give ourselves to the word, it's going to reveal some things that maybe we don't want to see, but don't get angry quickly. Instead, allow that word to do its full and complete work in us so that, so that we can become like Christ. Jesus will say at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be sure, be spiritually holy. Next week, we're going to discover that simply hearing the word is not enough. Hearing is important. We need to receive it, we need to hear it. Then James is going to challenge us, don't just be hearers of the word. That's great, that's important. Now we should be doers. We should be doers. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. That your word is alive. Thank you that your word is powerful. Thank you that your word has been implanted in us. Lord, it's our desire collectively as a whole this morning that, that we would receive it with meekness, with humility. That we would be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry. We would allow that word, the word of God, we would allow that word to begin to work in us. Begin to rid those, rid us of those evil ways, those hidden sins, those imperfections. And that's so I can pat myself on the back and say, now look at me. So I can become more like you. What I long and I desire. Not perfect. Fall short. But God, I long to be like you. My standard is you. Standard's not the person next to me. It's not some good person here on earth. My standard. My standard is Jesus Christ. And I know I fall short, but God, Holy Spirit, we ask and pray that you would continue to do what you said you would do, convict us of sin. 
hold us accountable, help us to, to grow, lead us into all truth, so that we can better reflect the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. All eyes closed, heads bowed, I just want to ask, ask a quick, simple question. If you're here today, maybe you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You've never invited him to come and take up residence in your heart, and you want to do that today. I'm going to pray with you, I'm going to have you come forward. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. If you're here today, you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior just by raising your hand. All eyes are closed, heads are bowed. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're here today, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Slip up your hand and lock it. Thank you. Father, I thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you have saved us, that you've set us free. God, we thank you for the free gift, that you are the giver of every good and every perfect gift. God, I'm incredibly thankful for that perfect gift of salvation. It's freely given to us. Well, we can't do anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. Loved us so much that you saved your son. Without us, we we can spend eternity. Thank you.